Yeah, thank you all so much. Y'all can be seated. Thank you, Ben, so much. Appreciate that. Great words, and um, I'm assuming the Holy Spirit had something to do with tying those words to these songs today into what we're talking about. I'm going to do a little, these guys are going to move some chairs for me, but um, uh, Caitlin Crane is here with us today from uh, Just One International. And the website is just the number one.org and a lot of great content there. And we'll have some of that up on the screen for you um, in just a minute. And uh, Caitlin's going to come up, Susie. Thank you guys so much. And uh, uh, we got a, 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 a great topic this morning, but a topic that's really going to kind of kind of shake you this morning. And I think it's important for us to talk about. So come on up, Caitlin. Um, we are thrilled to have her with us. We. I uh, had this conversation in our first service, and we're going to do it here in the second service. But before we get started, Caitlin, I'd like you just to kind of share with the folks who you are. I know you're from this area. A little bit about you before we start talking about Sure. Stuff. Well, good morning, everyone. How are you all doing today? Good. Um, as you can see, I said you all. So I'm definitely from around here. I was born <laughs> and raised in Noonan. And I don't know if my mom, she's not in here yet, but my parents and my 16-year-old brother Ethan live here. Uh, still, but literally as of yesterday, I moved um, to Smyrna. So I don't live in Noonan anymore, but grew up in the country part of Noonan. And so country girl at heart. My brother and I love to jump on our four-wheelers and dirt bikes and tear it up. He definitely tears it up more than I do. Um, and then just for fun, I enjoy hiking and getting outdoors and doing photography. And then as you'll hear more as we go on, uh, about five and a half years ago, I started just one, um, just out of a passion to help rescue and protect uh, young people from different forms of exploitation and sex trafficking. So a shout out to my mom. Again, she's not in here. I meant to do this in the first service, but she literally helped me move yesterday all day and, uh, and then is helping me today. So moms are superheroes and my mom yeah. is definitely one. She helped you move and y'all are still speaking. Yes. That's good. That's a good thing. Be brutal, <laughs> Canna. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I, I mentioned the first service, so I've uh, I have a small group I'm in with a with a couple of guys, and we've been reading the book about um, your people who are have labels now, and you know what that label is? The millennials. Millennials, yeah. And it's been fascinating to me because it's about a guy about your age, maybe a little older, but he's trying to get us to understand him. And one of the things I keep reading about, hearing about, is millennials absolutely want to take world issues and do something about it. Um, and I think that's probably you. This issue of, of at-risk and exploited kids, um, certainly God called you to do something about it. So you want to kind of share how that all happened? Sure. When I was 14 is when I first remember hearing about the issue of sex trafficking. I was at a fundraiser for a nonprofit uh, that rescues girls from trafficking in India. And the lady there was sharing the story of a 14-year-old girl who had been trafficked and then had been rescued. And just as I heard the heartbreaking just parts of her story, I think because we were the same age, it just really resonated with me and it hit me pretty hard. And that stuck with me over the years as I think the Lord just used that to plant a seed in my heart that eventually grew into a passion to fighting on behalf of the vulnerable and the exploited. Okay. Um, so once you kind of had that, you know, felt like God, it resonated with you. I mean, obviously this girl's same age and you're thinking, gosh, what if that happened to me? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what, what would my family do? How would, how would all that, you know, what would my life be like? 
Um, so what were maybe initially some um, things that uh, uh, to kind of get this process started, going beyond just a feeling and, and a, you know, resonating with this girl to actually what can I do about it? Well, fast forward a few years, in 2012 and 2013, I was, I think, 19 at the time. Um, I was at the Passion Conferences, which are young adult conferences that happens in Atlanta once a year. And they were talking about the issue of human trafficking on a global scale. And that was the first time I learned of how massive this issue is. Today, there's some statistics out there that show there's around 40 million people trapped in some form of slavery around the world today. And of course, at the time, and still, it just blew my mind. Um, and the Lord really began to stir that passion back up. And in 2013, when I went back to the conference and they were talking about it again, and once again, it was just hitting me so hard, I knew that I had to do something. Um, and so I called some of my crazy uh, young adult college-age friends and said, hey, let's do a fundraiser for the End It Movement, which Passion had launched as an awareness campaign um, to, to educate the general public of what was happening around the world. And so I was like, let's raise some money for them. So we put on an event locally, about 600 people showed up, and we raised around $18,000 for the End It Movement, um, just a bunch of us college kids and, and Jesus. Um, and so that night, I was speaking and just sharing my heart and what the Lord really had put on my heart. And I remember just having a sense of this is the work I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing. And so later on that year in 2013, I had the idea to start a nonprofit. Still to this day, don't know where that idea came from. Uh, I told him in the first service, I think I was, I, I like the risk of, of just taking a risk. Maybe there's a bit of a thrill to that for some reason. So I remember calling my pastor and telling him some of my ideas and asking for his advice. And he said, I think it's a good idea and I think you should go for it. And um, I did. So I was like, oh, darn it. Now I know I'm going to do it. So really the first few steps were just so practical. I mean, a lot of people are like, wow, you started a nonprofit? I'm like, yeah, you can start one too. Just go to the courthouse and sign some paperwork. Right. <laughs> Honestly, starting it is the easy part. It's the learning how to run it that has been more challenging. But it's just been taking one step after the next and learning as I go. Um, so sign the paperwork built a website. Um, one of the very pivotal first steps was when I called a missionary friend of mine who works in Kenya, and she was already rescuing girls from different forms of exploitation and forced early childhood marriage there in Kenya, and they needed a safe house for these girls. And just the Holy Spirit put it on my heart to partner with her and to raise funds to build this safe house. And so we started fundraising, and um, over the years, we, after about three years, we passed our fundraising goal of $109,000. Wow. All praise to God because that was a lot of money to me, and God was just faithful to provide. And then um, here we are now, five years later, we're building the safe house in Kenya, and we also do local work where we educate young people um, and parents on how young people can protect themselves from exploitation and sex trafficking. So those are really some of the practical steps. And I mean, just to share briefly, I know for me, in terms of following your calling, because each of you have a calling God's put on your life, and I think that there can be some 
that one of the biggest hindrances that keeps us from stepping into that calling it can be fear. And we all wrestle with different fears. And I know some of the ones that I have wrestled with, and I'm sure you do as well, is, is the first one's really the fear of not being capable um, and, like, not knowing how to do it. We want the 100-step plan uh, to being successful before we even take the first step. And so I think we, under the guise of, like, getting more prepared and learning more, feeling more ready, we just procrastinate and put off actually just taking that step, taking the risk. Um, and I love Bob Goff says this. If you don't know who he is, you need to look him up yeah, and read his great. book. <laughs> his book, Love Does, Love has changed does. my life. Mm-hmm. But he said no one is remembered for the things they just plan to do. And so we got to actually do stuff. And take that first step. And then another fear is just the fear of failure. Like, we don't want to fall flat on our face. I get that. But I just had to learn, like, one, don't see it as failure. It's learning. And we're going to learn along the way. I've learned a lot along the way. I, uh, I laugh when I say that we, I think, are on our third logo in five years. And so if any of you know marketing, that's not good for marketing. <laughs> um, but I've just learned and you have to give grace for yourself in the process of walking out that calling. So in general, just any of the fears that might come our way and even the fear of like missing it. I think that's one of the biggest ones, especially I feel like it's something I hear a lot in my age uh, age group. This fear of missing God's calling or God's plan for your life. And a lot of my friends I've seen get paralyzed by that fear. Mm-hmm. Um, And you really, I love what Jesus says because he simplifies it for us. In John 13, 34, he says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. And this is the commandment. This is the call is to love people. And I think God has put in each of us maybe a passion to love specific people, like specific groups. I'm passionate about loving on kids that have been exploited or at risk of being exploited. And uh, so you just walk walk in that. God is going to be happy and pleased with you if you are loving people. And so we just have to kind of uncomplicate it mm-hmm. and just begin to take those first steps. Right. Well, I appreciate uh, you sharing that part. And then uh, I mentioned in the, in the first service as well is, you know, Jesus did, you know, tell us to love people. It doesn't matter, you know, who that is. Sometimes it's your neighbor that's hard to love. Sometimes it's a family member, but he calls us to love. And then I appreciate what you're doing also in this ministry because, you know, uh, James in the uh, letter that we read about in the New Testament, very, very practical letter, um, he talks about religion that's pure and undefiled is taking care of widows and orphans. And that's exactly something that, you know, God's called you to when you're doing it. So I appreciate that. Well, we'll kind of move on here. And um, we've talked about some of the uh, things that kind of help connect you to what you were doing and then you've had some obstacles along the way and as we've talked here in the last few weeks you know we've talked about Moses we've talked about Abraham and and God's calling and nobody that we um, read about in the Bible who had a calling had it scot-free and had everything figured out nothing no nothing never went wrong you know they had deals they had to go through just like you're doing and they had moments of failures they had moments of maybe I'm not supposed to be doing this but God always confirms and, you know, like you said, sometimes our failures and our mistakes are, are God teaching us valuable lessons down the road. So, you know, keep keep learning those. That's that, that's wisdom. Well, the thing I want to, you mentioned, and I don't know if this blew you all the way, but when she said 40 million people are trafficked all over the world, does that not, you just go, that's, that can't be real. 
because we, we just because it's not something that we see, we just it almost doesn't seem real that there's really like when you hear statistics about starvation or something, you just go, that can't be real because in my world I don't see that. But that's how come it continues. Um, so 40 million people, and I think when we hear about human trafficking, we think almost this underworld type of thing, which it is, but we also know, I was talking to a lady in the first service who works at the airport. Atlanta is one of the biggest hubs, y'all know that, for human you know, trafficking going through Atlanta. Um, and so sometimes we kind of go, well, that's this underworld kind of creepy people who do this. Um, but I don't know any of those people. Um, I don't have any friends that do that kind of stuff. I don't know anybody, so it's kind of distance. But, you know, the question I had for you was is how is it that maybe um, sometimes we can actually be participating in this and not really know it? I think you got a good answer for that. It, yes. <laughs> I've got an answer that people probably won't expect. Um, and it's interesting when I think back to about five years ago when I first got into this work, I, when I was in the public at the bank or at the grocery store and would talk to people, um, a lot of people would still be shocked to hear that human trafficking and slavery was happening in our world, period. Well, now today, thanks to a lot of the awareness campaigns that different organizations have done, I think there's more awareness to, to that kind of general knowledge that it's happening. Um, but we have a lot more work to do because people don't realize that trafficking is happening a lot closer to home than just third world countries or even our own cities like Atlanta. It can even be as close as the other side of a screen someone is looking at. And so there's this thing that we all know, but we don't really want to talk about, and it's pornography. And But what a lot of people don't know is that porn and sex trafficking are often connected. And it's really been fairly recently that I've started talking about the connection because I, as I've just been studying and learning, I've realized, wow, this is actually happening. Uh, porn is actually fueling sex trafficking. And in the way that it does that is it's driving demand into the mainstream of society. See, something doesn't exist if there's not a demand for it. Like mm -hmm. trafficking exists because there's a demand for it. And porn fuels that demand by because it objectifies humans. It makes uh, the consumer, the porn consumer, see humans as objects to use rather than people mm -hmm. to honor. And there's a doctor who uh, said this, and this is quoting him. There's a study that did brain scans of men while they were watching porn. I'm sure it'd be the same if it was of women. Um, and the study, they wanted to see what areas of the brain lit up when they watched it. It's the part of the brain that deals with objects, not people. And why that's so devastating is the more we dehumanize someone, the more possible it is to commit violence against them. And Dr. John Fevers said that. And I know this is heavy, and I'm sure most people here didn't expect to hear this on a Sunday morning. I just appreciate you being willing to mm -hmm. talk about it. A lot of pastors aren't willing, so you have a great pastor that he is. Um, and... It's hard to sit with this and to take it in. I understand that. But I want you all to know I'm not at all coming from a place of condemnation. I don't want anyone to walk out of here feeling guilty or condemned. Um, I myself, when 10 years ago when I was 16, looked at porn for a little while. By the grace of God, I stopped looking at it. Um, and first of all, we need to just talk about the reality that porn isn't just 
a, a male problem. A lot of people just assume only guys struggle with porn. It's actually um, a human problem. Men and women struggle with it. There's actually statistics that show for ages 18 to 30, young women, 76% um, of young women look at porn regularly, and 79% of young men look at wow. it regularly. See, I wouldn't have guessed that. And it's only a 3% difference. Now, the numbers change a little bit as the age gets older, obviously. Mm -hmm. But that just gives you a sense of what's happening. And so that's the first thing we kind of have to talk about. And the next thing, you know, for me, when, when I looked at it for that period of time, like, it never even dawned on me that the person on the other side of that screen was a real person with a real name and a story and a family. Like, it, it breaks my heart, honestly, to know that I objectified and used another human. But the good news is, is that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Because of his finished work on the cross, we are forgiven. Mm -hmm. And God's love is unconditional. So I want you to know that as we're talking about this, not at all do I want this to bring condemnation. We just need to have a conversation about what's happening. Um, so we can help stop fueling the problem and begin to be a part of the solution. And so really the way when porn is driving that demand into society, um, it's making it easier to objectify humans. And it's crazy because there's some more studies that say from Fight the New Drug is a great organization that really talks about this. And they said the most popular online porn searches today are situations and scenarios so extreme and violent, they aren't even close to acceptable in real life. The teen porn genre has ranked in Pornhub's top most searched for terms since 2009. That means people are getting on there and looking for porn involving minors or porn that looks like it involves a minor, even if it's an adult. It's very disturbing and something we just really need to, again, talk about. Because until we bring it into the light, it, when things remain in the darkness, there's bondage. But in the light, freedom can happen, and wholeness and healing can happen. And so not only does porn fuel sex trafficking, porn and sex trafficking are often the same thing. Uh, studies show that nearly half of trafficked victims report that porn was made of them while they were in bondage. And Dr. Mari Arvine states this, when you're watching porn, you actually have no way of knowing if what you're watching is someone being raped or someone voluntarily engaging in that act. And so as we process this, which I know it's really hard to process, we really just have to ask ourselves this question. Is the pleasure of porn worth the price of a person? And the answer is no. The answer to that is always no. And in the awareness that this is, education is an opportunity for us to come together and to be a part of the solution. And as we as a culture begin to see and value ourselves and others as humans, human beings made in the image of God, that's when we can begin to be a part of the solution and stop fueling the problem. Yeah. All right. Now, that's, that's pretty heavy stuff. Um, but I would say, and especially in, in, in this audience today, I know we've got a lot of teenagers here. So when you hear, and this is, you know, um, this is disturbing because I have, I have, you know, teenagers at home. I have younger ones at home. A lot of y'all do, grandparents um, in here as well. And just 
the thought, the scary thing was you say when we begin to objectify someone, then violence becomes acceptable because it's not a person. It's just an object. And that's very disturbing. So <laughs> I want you young people to listen to me right now very, very clearly. It's happening. A lot of y'all are involved in it right now. And you may not realize, like you said, on the other side of that screen, you probably never thought about, oh, wait a minute, that person is being, that's being done to them against their will. They're just, it's just a transaction. They're getting paid to do whatever it is they're getting paid to do, and that's just, you know, what, what's the big deal? But when you think about it, someone actually has got them in a place where they cannot escape, and they are forcefully, maybe at the point of a gun or worse, or taking food from them or whatever it is, or threatening to kill their families. If you don't do this, can you imagine your son or your daughter one day having to go through that? I mean, I, so if that doesn't, that enough doesn't stop you from using porn. I mean, the other, even if it's just a transaction, they still have a family, they still have, that's bad enough because that's, you're trying to fuel, and like you said, there's a demand for it. And it's, it's a lie from Satan, y'all. It is a lie that if I look at enough naked people doing certain things, it's going to somehow satisfy me. It will never, ever satisfy you enough. That's the lie from Satan. He gave us this beautiful thing, sexuality, and we've turned it into this horrendous thing. And, and Satan's laughing all the way. And y'all, it's not a million-dollar industry. It is a, with a B, billion dollar industry so if you're involved in that and again i don't you know i quote romans just like you in christ there is therefore now no condemnation but i'm telling you if you're a young person or anybody in here and again i was blown away i had no idea i would have thought it was 70 80 percent guys maybe 20 30 percent but did you hear what she said 76 girls 79 guys so everybody's looking at it so it, it's hard to talk about, but I want to encourage everybody, if you find yourself like you were at, what, 14, 16 years old looking at it, it can become addictive. Um, get some help with that. We at the church want to help you with that. I know it's not easy coming to somebody and say, hey, I've been looking at this stuff and it, I'm scared. That is, is, that is courage when you can do that. So find somebody that you know that loves and, tr and, and that you trust that you can go to and say, hey, I've got this problem and I need some help. And we want to help you here at the church. Um, you may not feel comfortable coming to me. I get that. But please find somebody. And she's got a lot of resources that she'll share with us in a little bit. But we want to be able to help people with that. And, and that, that's anybody, whether you're young or old, because it's so easily accessible. When I was growing up, you didn't have a phone that you could look at and see that. You had to, you know, go look at your somebody's magazine that a friend had or you had to sneak and do something or, or try to watch through the squiggly lines, you know, crazy stuff like that. But it just was not available. But now y'all have it on your phones. I mean, I feel for you. And, and, and we, we got to help each other out with that. So, yeah. Yeah, and those resources, if y'all don't mind throwing it up on the screen for just a minute, um, the, the ones you'll see on the left are online resources. The first one you'll see is Fight the New Drug. I've mentioned them already. They just have a lot of great educational articles um, to read. And then True North Freedom Project, I actually worked for them for a little while. They're a nonprofit, a Christian nonprofit that has great resources for parents, men, women, teens, and even kids on talking to them, what you just mentioned about biblical sexuality. What's God's design for sexuality? Because porn is the counterfeit. 
right? Mm -hmm. What you said, it's never going to satisfy because it's not God's design. And so a lot of great resources and books on True North. And then Covenant Eyes is an online subscription, a filtering, and even helps provide accountability uh, through, like, if you pick someone that will do that program with you and be account hold, hold you accountable just to help you find freedom. Yeah, thank you, y'all, y'all, please. And she'll be out in the lobby afterwards and can give you some of this. And a fantastic website, justthenumberone.org. And just like I said, Wednesday in our, our class, we're teaching on culture. And we used your, uh, printed off from your website about the three things that parents, grandparents, anybody can do about how do we monitor what's going on in our kids' phones, you know. And let me, and, and I'm sorry to get on this, but while I got some of you teenagers in here, and, I, and I'm saying this because I love you. Girls and guys, these pictures we're constantly sending that we're doing. You need to be careful what you're wearing and what you're, because a lot of this is, is semi-porn. You go, no, it's not. You're, you're crazy, Craig. You're just being old school whatever dude, you know. I'm telling you, you don't know what that's doing to someone else. You, you're wanting them to think you're sexy, and when we think we want someone to see that we're sexy, we want them to objectify us. And we're not being who Christ, who God has really made us to be when we do that. So I'm, I'm being real serious about this because I, it's just a problem. You are beautiful the way you are. And, and you've been blessed with sexuality for a purpose. But outside, like you said, outside of what God intends for that is a counterfeit and it's going to lead down destruction. And the things you're doing now will affect your marriage down the road. You go, I ain't getting married for 30 years or whatever. But what you're doing right now with your sexuality and even your thought process will affect your marriage, and it can be so destructive. And I don't want to see people have to go through that. So please think about that before you send that picture. What am I saying? What am I trying to say? Even if it's a joke, the boy or the girl on the other end of receiving that, or the plural, many people who are seeing your Instagram picture, what are they saying? What is she trying to say to me? What is he trying to say to me? I'm an object. And you keep sending those objective pictures, and then we all start to think that everybody's an object. And then we don't, that's not who God, we are image bearers of the creator of the world. And we have a savior who died for us that says, I know you're going to mess up, but I died for you anyway. So I know I'm being hard on that, but I just want y'all to really think about those things. And parents, let's, you know, grandparents, friends, let's talk to each other, hold each other accountable on these things before we send this picture. Well, um, can you share with us a success story um, through your ministry? Um. Yeah, this is one of my favorite parts, and we're switching gears slightly. What we've been discussing now is a lot of kind of the educational work we're doing locally. Um, but like I mentioned before, we're also international, and we work in Kenya, and we are partnered with two missionaries there. And we have, with those missionaries, helped rescue um, 23 children from ages 4 to 18 from different forms of exploitation, abandonment, um, like I said earlier, forced early childhood marriage, where a girl, even as young as 11, will be forced to marry a 50 to 70-year-old man, um, and that's the rest of her life. And so that's slavery mm. in and of itself. So all different circumstances, but I'm going to share a video with you of one of our girls, Saibuku. She's 18 now. You'll see some of um, her story and her journey because she was rescued when she was 11. So it's pretty cool to see what God has done in her life. Um, my dad doesn't like my mom, doesn't like me because I'm not married again. 
He's telling me that if you want me to love you, let the man who married you. But I say that no, the man is not my agent, and I don't want to marry him. My name is Saibogu and I love God. I want, uh, the first day I was in my home, I don't know to speak any language, I was just speaking my language. But right now, I'm speaking English and Swahili, and I'm so glad you guys to helping us from you, you are US people. I'm so glad to helping me to go to school now. I know to read. for us and wherever you are I'm just praying for you continue helping those people who doesn't have anything I'm so glad that thank you God bless you guys thank you love watching that because I went to Kenya it's actually about five years ago my mom and I got to go and um, spent time with Saibuku and so she was obviously a good bit younger then she's literally one of the most vibrant joyful people I've ever met in my life and you would have no idea she had come from you know an abusive home her father was going to sell her I mean if a child here in America which children here go through horrific things as well but imagine if that was your experience, and then you run away from that. Um, but just the hope and the joy in her life was just evidence of Jesus because she came to know the Lord, and she's just full of hope, and you would never know, never guess the, what she'd gone through. And so it's just a reminder for me, and I'd love to share it with others because the, the potential that we can have when we impact to one life, and that's really the heart of just one uh, even if we can help rescue one child, it'll all be worth it. And thankfully, we it's awesome because we're able to impact the lives of more than one child. And like I said, we have 23 children in our sponsorship program. And you can go to our website or even out to our table for more information. It's 120 a month to fully sponsor a child. But we've broken that down into $30 increments just so people can do whatever works for them and can be a part of making a difference in a child's life. So as well, other things, information on our website about what we do when we educate young people. You were talking a little bit about girls and guys, what you post. Um, I also go and talk to young people specifically and have a whole presentation where I specifically talk about how they can protect themselves. And one of those ways is through how you present yourself on social media and online and what message are you sending because traffickers are looking on social media for specific people, young people that are sending a message that says, I'm lonely, I'm needy, I want attention. 
and and they are beginning to lure in and target those young people. So it's it's very serious stuff, and it's something I love to talk to young people about, so we can hopefully prevent that from ever happening. Um, I do have a resource for parents that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. If you sign up for our email list on our website, you'll get a free download where parents of how you can talk to your kids of ways they can protect themselves on social media. So even if you're not a parent and you're a young person, like you can just go and read that and apply that to yourself. Some of you are old enough to to do that on, on your own. So right. Well, thank you for those resources, and y'all please, you know, I know if you didn't get all that, just that's pretty simple, just number1.org, and she'll be out there. Um, but we thank you, number one, for sharing your story, um, and this is a, 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 it's a tough issue, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's scary, um, but it's, it's real, and uh, so thank you for having the courage to, um, you know, answer God's calling and do what you're doing, and, and we appreciate it so much. So, yeah, absolutely. So usually what we do, and we're going to do this in this service too, is um, we have a time of kind of an invitation. But I want, I'm serious. If y'all are struggling with that, please see somebody. I, If you want to come to our staff privately during the week, we'll meet with you and try to help you through those kind of things. Or if you just want to get involved in helping, she's got a lot of resources. But we're going to have you and your mom, Tracy, again, to come stand right in the middle, and we're going to have some folks around. Just put your hands on on Caitlin and her mom, and we want to pray for them and their ministry, but we also want to pray just for all of us as we try to say, God, what are you calling us to do about uh, about this this issue in, in, in our culture? And maybe you want to, during this time, just pray, pray specifically for someone that you know that's struggling with the issue of porn or, or, or something like that, and say, you know, Lord, please help them to get the help they need. So let's do that. Let's all stand together, and let's pray for them. If y'all around, would just put a hand on these ladies. And we're going to pray for them. Lord, we, we just thank you for um, the power of, of your call and, uh, and, and Caitlin's life and, and the support she's getting from her friends and her family. But, Father, these are, these are difficult issues that, that are real. And, uh, the, uh, you know, we know that Satan wants to come and kill, steal, and destroy our lives, our marriages, our future lives. And, and Father, thank you so much for just the awareness of what we heard today. And Father, help it not to just scare us and make us overwhelmed, but help us to, to be um, inspired that we want to do something and, and inspired that you are a God that loves us and gave us sexuality and gave us freedom. As you see that little girl, uh, now she's 19, and, but you see the freedom in her eyes as she talked about what she's doing now as opposed to what was going on before so we thank you for bringing her to freedom and there's folks here in this room that i know need to have experienced freedom father i pray that you will give our young people and and all of us that have phones and access to the internet that you will give us discernment and wisdom and give us grace when we have someone come to us and say i'm 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 struggling that we don't just condemn them but that we um, wrap our arms around them and say let me help you so, Father, we know this is a, a, a serious issue. But I pray specifically for Caitlin, Father, what you're doing in her life. She's just made a move, and she's continuing this nonprofit that you've called her to. So I pray for her and her team that you will continue just to give them wisdom and boldness and get into more uh, places where they can talk to kids and, and get this message out, Father, so that we can get rid of this horrible thing called human trafficking so that there's no more need.